Chapter Four of Little Sister Snow. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Sherry Gardner. Little Sister Snow by Frances Little. Chapter Four. For two halcyon months, Yuki san lived in a dream. The ample compensation Merritt insisted upon making for the hospitality extended to him more than met the modest needs of the little household, and once again, as in the earlier days, they went on jolly excursions, visited ancient temples, and picnicked under the shadow of the torii. The father and mother always trotted close behind, and Yuki-san, vastly pleased with her ability, gaily translated the speeches from one to another she talked incessantly laughing over her own mistakes and growing prettier and more winsome every day merritt was glad to fill his leisure time in such pleasant companionship yuki san was the same little bundle of charm he remembered of old with her innocence untouched and a heart whose depths had never yet been stirred he teased her and taught her and played with her as he would have played with a merry child naturally gentle and affectionate he unconsciously swept yuki-san to the borderland of that golden world where to waken alone is agony one morning when the heavy mists of the valley lay in masses of pink against the deeper purple of the mountain and his highness the sun his face flushed from his long climb was sending his first glances over the sunny peaks of fujiyama yuki-san arose after a sleepless night and faced the morning with sorrowful eyes you're very lazy mr sun this morning she said shaking a finger at him in reproof where you the have been why you not come the more early and make light for my busy she tied the long sleeves of her bright kimono out of her way and twisting a bit of cloth about her head fell to dusting the shoji and setting the small room in order i must the hurry she said as she kept up her brisk dusting i make the food so quick as that robinson still bury for his babies to-day him one big big day but him no glad day meritson go away she paused in her work and a look of pain darkened her eyes but she shook her head reproachfully ah yuki-san you make sorry voice and your heart is thinking tears you naughty girl quick you make the fire to rise in hibachi and give that meritsan his gohan same thing what that funny malika call breakfast after the steam had begun to rise from the vessels on several hibachi Yuki-san, flushed by her exertions, rested upon her heels before the door that led into the garden. As she fanned her flushed face with her sleeve, she glanced again and again toward the narrow stairway that led to the chamber above, and at the slightest sound she listened in smiling expectancy. From outside the wall came the gentle slip-slap of the water against the sampan, and the cheerful banter of the owners as they made ready for the work of the day circling the garden 
the fern-like maples made a note of vivid crimson amid the feathery green of the bamboo every feature of the place was closely associated with her short happy life she had learned to walk on the soft sandy paths she had spelled out her first characters on the old stone lantern she had whispered her secrets to the broken-nosed image of quanon who sat in the shadow of the pines and there under the plum-tree she had caught the naughty kitten that first brought her and Meritson together. As she sat with folded hands and watched the sunshine on the dewy leaves and flowers, her intense, restless, vivacious body relaxed in sudden languor, and her soft mouth drooped in wistfulness. A splash in the pool below attracted her, and looking down she saw the gleaming bodies of the goldfish as they leaped into the air. Instantly she was all life and volubility. Yuki-san, one big bad girl, she no remember little fish. They always like hungry baby-san in early morning. I make fast to fill big hole inside, very little outside. Slipping her half-stockinged feet out of her straw house-shoes, she stepped into her wooden gita, and passing a shelf, filled her hands with round rice-cakes. The edge of the water turned to gold as the fish crowded close. Yuki-san scattered the crumbs and stood watching the wriggling mass for a moment, then said, "'You very greedy little fish. I never know can fill your bodies. Now I get flour for Meritson's breakfast.' She made her way over the flat, mossy stones, past the miniature Fuji, where dwelt the spirit of the wondrous lady who made the flowers to bloom. She paused before the gorgeous chrysanthemums, and looked long at the morning glories, with their tender tints of dawn. But at last she spied on a rose-bush, set apart from the rest, a single white rose with a heart of red. With a little cry of satisfaction she thrust her hands among the thorns to pluck it. The rebound of the bush sent fluttering to her feet a brilliant purple butterfly. Tender to all living things, Yuki-san dropped quickly to her knees, and folded the half-chilled creature between the palms of her warm hands. "'Ah, Chuchu-san,' she said, "'the day of yesterday you so big and strong. The morning of today you have the weakness of cold body.' that jack flaws him very naughty boy she put her moist red lips to her folded palms and the warmth of her breath stirred to action the gauzy creature she held captive you no must kick chuchu-san have the patience i make you warm i give you one more day of happy Yuki-san's wooden shoes sent a sharp click into the quiet morning air as she quickly crossed the arched bridge and followed the path to the stone image beyond the pool. With a touch as soft as the wings she held, the girl lightly balanced the now thoroughly warmed butterfly on the broad forehead of the goddess of mercy. In sharp contrast to the spirit of the scene came the clear, rollicking strains of an American air whistled by someone coming down the steps. For a moment, Yuki-san stood motionless, 
pressing her lips softly to the rose she held. Then, with a swift pitter-patter, she ran back to the house. "'The top of the morning to the Honorable Miss Snow,' said Merritt, who quite filled the doorway. Not willing to be surpassed in salutation, Yuki-san laid a hand on each knee, and bending her back at right angles replied with mock gravity, Ohio Kozimas Kiowa Yoi Otenki. Merritt knew she had him at a disadvantage in her own language, but always delighted to see the play of her dimples and the soft pink creep into her cheeks when he teased, he stood by her now, big and stern and growling. See here, Yuki-san, otherwise Miss Snow, you just come off your high stilts of that impossible lingo and speak nice English suitable for a little boy like me to understand. Lil boy like you, she rippled. Lil boy like you. Melitzan, him so long when he make Japanese bow, he come down from top like big bamboo tree. So, putting her hands high above her head, she bent till the tips of her fingers touched the floor. Still bent, she twisted her head till her eyes, bright with laughter, looked straight into Merritt's. He lifted his eyebrows quizzically. See here, Yuki-san, you are fast developing the symptoms of a coquette. She quickly straightened her back, and with a smile of bewilderment exclaimed, Me croquette? No, no, croquette, him little chicken ball what you eat. I know can be eat. Merritt shouted with delight, then grew grave. No, Yuki-san, you don't ever want to be a coquette. You want to be your sweet little self, and make a good wife to that handsome soldier Saito, with all his gold braid and dingle-dangles. But what about breakfast? You see, my train leaves in an hour. If you don't give me something to fill my honorable insides, I'll have to eat you, sure enough. In mock fear, she quickly brought a low table from an inner room, and with deft hands placed the steaming soup and broiled fish before him. The knife and fork were a concession to Merritt's inability to wield the chopsticks, and sitting on his heels was Merritt's concession to the inability of the house to provide a chair. "'Hello,' he said, picking up a long-stemmed rose. "'Where did you find this beauty?' "'I guessed her with my nose,' the girl answered. You know what make her heart so red? Long time ago, most beautiful princess love with wrong man, make Buddha very angry, and he turn her body into white rose. But her heart just stay all time red, cause of beautiful love that was there. My, he's a fierce old customer, that Buddha of yours, said Merritt. Yuki-san paused in the filling of the rice bowl and looked at him gravely. Merit-san, do you know God? Do I know God? he repeated with a half-embarrassed laugh. Yes, Christian's God, what you must love and love, but no never can see till die time come. You know Merit-san. Then, lowering her voice in earnest inquiry, she went on. You believe that Christian's God more better for Japanese girl than Buddha? For a moment Merritt felt the hot blood of confusion rise to his temples. 
the role of spiritual adviser was a new and somewhat embarrassing one struggling for expression he floundered hopelessly i-i-i guess i don't know very much about it but there's one sure tip yuki-san the christian's god is all right you can't lose out if you pin to him he stammered like a foolish schoolboy but struggled bravely on when things get pretty thick and you've struck bottom that's the time you find out i know i've been there more's the pity i don't remember it oftener and you think him more better for me asked yuki-san still perplexed you bet i do said merritt with conviction take my word for it and don't forget i no forget she said a sliding of the screen and a call from the courtyard announced the arrival of the jinrikisha men who had come for the baggage merritt thrust back his half-finished breakfast by jove i'd most forgotten this is my last meal with you just to think all that tiresome old government contract is finished and i'll soon be on my way to the other side you want to see other side she asked mamma's are not there no more then seeing his face darken she laid a quick hand of sympathy on his i have the sorrowful for you she said earnestly then went on hastily that other side yes i know that most beautiful merica most big ship in the world come rolling into hatoba Maritzan, so long and big stand way out front and see over much people then he cry out hurrah hurrah with glad and much joyful he see that lovely girl like picture waiting there without pausing for a reply she pushed open a door and called in japanese to her father and mother who never made their appearance till merritt's breakfast was finished come make ready to give our guest an honorable departure she said in the small courtyard facing the street the girl found the men with their gin rickshaws and baggage wagon waiting to convey merritt to the station she carefully directed the tying on of the various trunks and bags and placed the family just where they should stand that the greatest honor might be done the departing guest as merritt came out of the little house and reached for his shoes which stood waiting at the side yuki-san started toward him eager to serve him to the last merritt motioned her back don't come too near yuki-san if you happen to fall into one of those shoes you'd be lost forever and ever and that big mr saito would be inviting me to cut off my head yuki-san laughed and smoothed the cushions in the jinrikisha while she gave minute directions to the jinrikisha men merritt made his adieu with high good humor and so many big words that yuki-san was hard pressed to interpret he invited the family and all their relatives to come to see him in america when he reached yuki-san he held out his hand made shy by the unusual ceremony she timidly laid a cold and unresponsive little palm in his he looked down from his height with tender memories of all her gentle courtesies good-bye little snow-girl he said 
I'll never forget Japan, nor you. She withdrew her hand and looked inquiringly up at him. Some long time you come back? Merritt climbed into the jinrikisha. No, Yuki-san, you know I'll soon have a little home of my own to work and care for. I'll be a busy man for the next few years, so I guess I'll not come back. As in a dream, Yuki-san saw the men adjust their hats and tighten their sashes as they took their places in front of the small vehicle. Mechanically, she bowed her farewell with the rest of the family, but she did not join their sayonara. She watched the swift moving of the jinrikisha wheels. Then she saw Merritt turn at the gate and wave his hat as he joyously called, "'Good-bye, Yuki-san! God bless you!' The girl stood still, her eyes on the empty gate. Like a lonely, hurt child, her lip quivered, and she caught it between her teeth to steady it. "'Ah, Yuki!' cried her mother. "'Some spirit has wished you harm. A drop of blood rests on your lips.' Yuki-san drew her hand across her mouth, and lightly answered that maybe a robin had tried to steal a cherry. But to herself she murmured, My heart bleed for lonely. He never come back. End of chapter 4 Recording by Sherry Gardner